Welcome, Wildcats, to Weber State Weekly. I'm your host, Sean Lewis, filling in for the impressionable Kobe Peterson. On the pod today, a man who completed his freshman season by being voted most likely to be president of these United States of America, AC. True story, 100% true. I had to reenact the president of the United States way back when in 1776. I crushed it, and I was voted most likely to be president of the United States. Next, we have a man who finished his freshman year by walking aimlessly around Las Vegas, Dustin Chappie Chapman. I was, I was, I was in St. George going to school. A bunch of 18-year-olds going to Vegas. What are you going to do? Like you can't, you can't gamble. You can't do anything. So you just wander up and down the strip. It's not fun. <laughs> And last but definitely not least, a man who ended his freshman season by successfully gaining the freshman 15, Signpost Sports Editor Raymond Lucas Jr. You know, typically people want to avoid gaining the freshman 15, but I think most people from high school could agree that I definitely needed it. All right, on today's show, we've got Weber State men's basketball coach Randy Ray to preview the upcoming Big Sky Basketball Championships in Boise, Idaho, and talk about some of the accolades that his team earned uh, this season from the Big Sky Conference. Then we'll give away our own hoop superlatives, our awards for this recently finished season for the Wildcats. And finally, we're going to talk about some football with our esteemed panel. But first, please let everybody know where you can reach us. Subscribe, rate us, review us. Get to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Search out Weber State Weekly so we can uh, share the joy with all the Wildcat fans in your life. We'd like to welcome to the show once again, head coach of the men's basketball team, Randy Ray, who uh, his team just finished second, tied for second in the Big Sky standings. Uh, that earned them the third seed due to some tiebreaker situations with Eastern Washington. Um, but uh, we're going to do some preview of the Big Sky tournament this week and and a little bit of a recap of the season. So, uh, Coach Ray, thanks for coming on with us. We're glad to have you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Love it. So um, we wanted to start with... Um, just the announced today, the Big Sky announced today the accolades for your team, individual accolades. So we had Isaiah Brown, who was a unanimous first team All Big Sky selection, uh, also newcomer of the year. Uh, so he got the double dip there. Uh, Segu gets the second team All Big Sky selection, and then uh, Dylan Jones, do it all DJ, gets the uh, freshman of the year, um, which is something we've advocated here for. Um, here on Weber State Weekly. So um, just your thoughts on the accolades that your players received and what does that mean for your team uh, as a reward for the season? Well, I'm really, I'm really happy for those kids. You know, they're great kids and uh, those kids all, you know, our whole team works their tail off. You know, we brought in nine new guys and we thought we had them vetted pretty well, but uh, you know, when they got here, it, it was our whole, our whole team just lives in the gym. And those three kids are right at the top of, you know, the hardest, some of the hardest workers on our team. So they, they've worked hard. They've earned it. But, you know, I, as I told the kids today when it was announced, you know, those are team awards, to be honest with you, because those guys aren't getting awards without us having a really good season and the team working their butts off the other guys in the gym working their butts off so they can play as good as they can play. And so it's really a team award and all three of those guys are team players and they understood that. And, and they, uh, they honestly thank the, their teammates for them being allowed, you know, and a couple of them said, well, this is our award, not my award. And that's kind of the kids kind of kids we have, but, but I'm proud of them. They've, they've earned it. They deserved it. You know, they played well. Uh, uh, you know, you always look at statistics and all that. I always look at, you know, they're team players. They're playing for the team. They're they're not playing for themselves. When you when you let go of yourself and remove yourself from it, and you play for your teammates. You you play good, and all three of those kids have done that, and they've played well. And uh, but they they definitely earned it. I'm proud of them. And uh, 
you know, it's kind of cool because all three of them are first year players for us, you know, basically our whole team's first year players for us, I guess. But yeah, but, that, that's great. But then usually those awards go to guys who've been in your program for a couple of years, maybe three years. These guys are brand new. And uh, so I think that's kind of cool as well. So along those same lines, coach, uh, which player on the roster has come the farthest or has shown the most improvement from the beginning of the season, October, November to the end of season this week? You know, I've been asked that a little bit. Um, I would have to say, you know, at first it was Cody Carlson. Um, but then Cody, once he started to take off, Cody's been double teamed for the last three weeks. And yeah. Just let him score. So his numbers have gone down and, uh, you know, there's a reason for that when you get double teamed every catch, but uh, I would have to say Sigu. Um, Sigu came in, you know, transferred from Loyola Marymount. He's a sophomore and he got off to a, a little bit of a rough start. And it wasn't that he wasn't trying hard or anything like that. It was just, he wasn't playing great. He wasn't in a, in a very good rhythm. And I think he was trying to figure out how to play with his teammates and where he was playing, you know, we play him at the two and the one, and he was playing two spots. And then, uh, boys, it was about a little over a month ago. Uh, all of a sudden, you could just see it in practice. He started to get really comfortable with our offense. Uh, he kind of figured out where he could get shots within our offense, uh, playing both the one and the two. And all of a sudden, his confidence just went through the roof. And he went on a tear there for about a month where he's just shooting the heck out of the ball, high assist rate. And he's always, he's always been our best perimeter defender. Um, so I would say from the start to now, I would say Seagu's probably made the biggest jump. And uh, like I said, it's been a month, month and a half. He really took off and, and has played really well. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, he was all big sky. So along those same lines of roster composition, you went out this offseason and you just raided the transfer portal. And I think a lot of people were a little skeptical, like, is this going to work? That's a lot of new players. And it's yeah. a quick turnaround. Is it going to work? And so what's the secret? How did you end up having so much success in the transfer portal? Well, there was a lot of people skeptical and I don't blame them. I mean, it's hard to bring in nine new guys and basically starting, you know, your, your top six players are all new players. And if I'll be honest with you in the fall, I was, I, w- I wasn't skeptical. I was nervous, you know, but, uh, but you know, we found all those kids that we took, we had some kind of in to get, those guys we knew somebody that knew somebody that knew the kid that had an end you know what i mean we weren't taking them just blindly so they were well vetted uh we knew the kids that we kind of kids we were getting you know we don't take anything but high quality high character guys and we got to take competitive guys tough guys we got to take unselfish guys you know i'm very particular about what we get and if you're going in the portal and if you're taking guys without really, really knowing what you're getting, then that's a huge gamble. But deep down, I still, I, I knew, what, I had a pretty good feeling of what we were going to get. And then when they all got here, it, they all hit. I mean, it was just, yep, that's what we thought they were. And uh, so now let's get to work. But I, I think if you go in blindly, that transfer portal, and you don't have some kind of in or really know the kids you're getting and can figure out the kind of kids you're getting, it's a big, big gamble. But So we felt pretty comfortable with that. Um, and then the whole key was just trying to get nine, well, a whole new team on the same page. And to be honest with you, it took a while. You know, uh, we lost some games. You know, this was a bad time to have COVID when you're trying to put a whole new team together. And we didn't have as many preseason games to do it. And that made me very anxious <laughs> of, 
And then, you know, we got going along and we'd play pretty good and then we wouldn't play very well and we we're a little inconsistent. And that was just because we didn't know each other. We didn't know who we were yet. We didn't have an identity because we, you can only develop that in games. You can't develop that in practice. And then we went through middle of December through, you know, pretty much middle or most of the way through January where we only played three games in five days or three games in five weeks. And, uh, that was not good, not for the, what we were trying to do, put this team together and get to know each other and, and try to decide what our strength is as a team. And so we weren't very good there for a while. And then once we started conference play was, I think it was Southern Utah. You know, we played really well here. We went down there and we didn't play very well, even though we should have won the game. We, we played that weekend and then we played the next weekend and all of a sudden we had some c- continuity and each game, you could see the guys getting more comfortable. We figured out what our identity was on defense, what our identity was on offense after about four games in a row. And then we really started to, to feel comfortable and started to take off. So that was the biggest thing, you know, the biggest fear. I knew we had good players. I knew we had really good kids, hard workers, guys that really liked each other a lot. We just needed game time. And once we got rolling with a few games in a row, we were able to – to get going, you know, pretty good. And so that's all it took. And uh, to those kids credit, they really bought into our culture because I'm pretty finicky about how we're going to do things in our culture and our program. And, and they bought in hook, line and sinker. And that's one of the reasons why we, we, you know, got going there pretty good too. Before the season, I got to speak with Isaiah Brown about uh, just this new role. And he said, while there's obviously a big hole to fill, when it comes to the scoring since Jarek is gone, he's looking more to come in and be a leader and be important and be like a big piece of this team. How much has he lived up to your expectations? Uh, he's lived up to everyone and probably surpassed him, to be honest with you. Um, we knew he was a, an outstanding kid. We knew he was a good player. We knew he was mature, very smart, very intelligent basketball player. Uh, but his leadership from day the minute he stepped on campus, he took over and it was in a good way. You know, some guys think they got to lead by chewing people's asses and being a prick or excuse my language, but he did it in a really good way. And uh, people, you know, he earned the respect of the other guys quickly because of how hard he worked and how much he cared about the team. And everybody could 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 tell right away he was a team first guy. And, uh, and so right away he, he took over and, uh, and then, you know, obviously he's a good player that helps, obviously you can't be a bad player and be a great leader, but, uh, but he really has surpassed even what I thought he would become and, uh, in every way, you know, and he's meant a lot to the university, you know, with all the diversity issues we've, we've dealt with and all the racial injustices and everything that we've been going through and having all these kind of talks with our team, he's been, uh, he's been kind of our, uh, you know, a sounding board for our team throughout the community, throughout whatever, and and uh, and kind of is a voice uh, for our program, and he's handled it extremely well. And uh, I'm really proud. He's a wonderful, wonderful kid. So the, one of the things I think I love the most about Isaiah Brown is watching him play. Number one, I wish we would have had him for four years. Honestly, I mean that's that's the overriding sentiment. But yeah, me too. <laughs> but two, <laughs> I, I I love that he is he is whatever the team needs him to be any night. You know, if if he needs to pass the ball more, he'll pass the ball more and get other guys involved. If he needs to take over, uh, he'll take over. If he needs to like 
Sacramento State a couple weeks ago, if he needs to dribble the ball down and beat everybody down court and shoot the last shot of the game, he'll do that too. I, I very much enjoy that he is, he seems like the consummate team leader. You know, and you, you, you're right on. That's what he is. And uh, he does, you know, he kind of knows, he, you know, he, he plays the point, he plays the two, but he knows when to get guys involved. He needs to get guys involved in the game. You know, we're a ball movement team. We got to keep that ball popping. And, uh, but he also knows, Hey, if we're struggling to score a little bit, he needs, he needs to be more aggressive. And, uh, you know, the last play at Sacramento state was a great example. We actually practice that where if we're down or it's a tie game or there's under 10 seconds to go, we're not calling a timeout. I want you to get the ball and you go attack the rim. And he did it perfectly. Um, but, but it's not just on the court, you know, it's also off the court, you know, in the locker room, you know, when we first got these guys together, we, we got really hard on these guys. We had to break some of them down because they had to understand what our program was about. And we hold guys accountable for everything they do, whether it's in the classroom, off the court, on the court. If they don't do exactly, you know, how we think things should be done in our program, we're going to hold them accountable. So there was a lot of conditioning going on. There was a lot of (laughs) had to break some guys down and get them to understand with nine new guys, they had to figure out what we were all about. And he was leading the way. He was leading the way. There were, there were some hard days when these kids had to do a whole bunch of hard work, extra running and stuff for guys not doing what they're supposed to do, whether turning an assignment or showing up two minutes late or whatever. And he kept them going. He says, hey, coaches aren't going to change. We got to change. And we're going to start doing this right now if we're going to become a team. And, and he had many talks with those kids, and those kids listened. And that's one of the reasons, I think, why these kids have bought into our culture as quickly as they did was uh, was him leading the way. So, Coach, I want to transition us to a preview of of what I like to call three days in Boise. Right? Um, mm-hmm. We all know that in one big league, especially at the Big Sky, you get you get three days to prove your case to become an NCAA tournament team. So let's take a look at this. You don't know who your first opponent is that the seating holds. Your path is probably likely going to be Montana, Eastern Washington, and uh, Southern Utah, if seating holds, which we know the Big Sky Tournament's crazy and it may not hold. But uh, right. uh, first, first question for you about the tournament is, uh, what's it like preparing for a team on, on 24 hours notice? And I, just as a little wrinkle, how, more di- how much more difficult is it going to be if you do face Eastern Washington where you didn't get a chance to see them during the regular season? Yeah, those are two good questions. The first one is always hard. I mean, both of them are hard, but we've had some practice in the past with quick turnarounds with teams before, you know, and uh, sometimes, you know, you can look at it. And, you, you know, for me, I love to prepare, and we, we prepare our team hard, and we always like to think we're highly prepared for each team. But sometimes you can almost over-prepare when you got two or three days in advance. And I've been guilty of that where you almost give them too much information and then you get out there on game night and you play slow because you got too much on your mind. You're thinking about too much. We've done, you know, we've, we've done too much preparation. So on one hand, I guess, you know, without having much preparation, you got to do the bare minimum and without thinking as much, maybe you play faster. You know what I mean? rather than think about it too much, but, uh, but it is, it is difficult. You know, we're in a situation right now, we've got this week where we can kind of look at both teams and we can do a little bit of preparation on Montana and on Idaho. And uh, so get a little bit of stuff in it. And the guys don't even know we're doing, 
you know, we do certain things defensively where we're working on what Montana might run and we're not telling them it's Montana, but we're, we're working against their offense. And then the same thing with Idaho. Hey, we're going to work on this today defensively. They don't know it's Idaho. We know it's Idaho. So then we do turn around and play one of those teams. They've already been exposed to it. Right. So we've got a couple of days. We've, we already actually started today a little bit with that. So, uh, but like you said, in a tournament, the second game is hard because it's it's so quick. You know, you basically gonna got to prepare by watching film mostly. But yeah, and Eastern, if if you do, you know, if we're fortunate enough to win the first game and then play them, um, they haven't played us. We haven't played them, so I guess shoes on both both feet, right? Yeah. But but that'll be difficult. But at the same time, it is what it is, and you do the best you can. You give them as little as you can. So you don't think about it too much and you just go out there and play fast and then you got to adjust on the fly. So a, a couple of more about the tournament here. Uh, first off, we see a couple of conferences that do this a little bit differently. Um, I'd like to know your thoughts on how the big sky protects the number one seed. One of the ways that they protect the number one seed in, in our current tournament format is the number one seed plays first thing on Thursday and they're playing the first game on Friday in the semifinals leading up to the championship game. Um, whereas you in the, the number two or the number three in that bottom half of the bracket, you're playing in the later games uh, all night. Is there a pro or a con to the early versus late game? And then follow up on that. Is there, um, would you rather see something like what the West Coast Conference does where the top two seeds get automatic buys into the semis, let everybody else uh, beat each other up before they have to play you and give you some rest? Well, if you're a one or two seed, I'd really like to see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And there was some discussion in our conference about possibly going to that. And I think every year that'll be a discussion that we try to protect the one and two a little bit more. But this year, to be honest with you, with COVID, the seating is the schedule was so lopsided this year that it's not like a true regular season where everybody played 20 games. The schedule was even. You got a truly a number one seed, a number two, a number three it just, it wasn't equal this year. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we played more road games than anybody, you know, Southern Utah's number one seed and they got a good team and I'm not taking anything away from them, but they played six road games. We lost four home games. You know, I think they lost one home game. We're on the road more than every other team in the league. We played nine. I think Eastern played six or maybe seven, but six. And so did Southern Utah. So this year is totally different. You know, the yeah. seating, little bit skewed i think sometimes but uh but that's okay you know it is what it is we're gonna go play we just want to play but uh uh, well i i think i could speak for the entire panel here nobody wants to see the thunderbirds win anything on their way out the door so (laughs) if we can take care of them that's 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 what we that's what we want we don't want to see them hoisting any trophies as they're as as they've shown us the the their hind end so um we're gonna let ac have the last word uh and it's a question about uh roster makeup for next season so I think one of the big questions on everybody's minds is about these seniors. we got a group of awesome seniors this year with Kozak, Bassett, Carlson, and Isaiah Brown. And I think that the question that Wildcat Faithful really want to know is whether or not they've told you uh, what their plans are for after this season. So do you, do you know whether these guys are coming back or not? Well, we not not for sure. We haven't had that discussion yet because, uh, you know, I wanted to wait till after the season. We got – you know, obviously we don't distract from anything that's going on right now. And I, I just want them thinking about trying to win our next game. So we really haven't had that discussion. You know, um, Isaiah Brown has pretty much mentioned to us that he's, you know, he's 23 years old. He's got his undergrad. He started his master's. 
Uh, he's been in school for a long time. Uh, he's he's mentioned that he's probably going to look to you know get a contract and go play someplace. And I don't blame him one bit. Um, and I think Cam, you know, feels like he's probably pretty much ready to move on. You know, he's been in school for a while too, and he's ready to take the next step, you know? So both those guys have kind of pretty much mentioned that they're probably going to move on. And, and then Cody and Mike, you know, there's, they're kind of contemplating, um, uh, whether they want to come back or not, you know, and, and I, I, be honest with you, I don't know. They went through senior night just because they're seniors. Right. Um, and then we'll sit down and we'll have a talk afterwards. And if they want to move on, you know, I'm going to support them either way. But we'll have a conversation and I'll have a conversation with all four of them after we get done with the tournament and next week and whatever. And just make sure everybody is on board with whatever. The, and I'll, I'll support them all. Whatever they want to do, we'll support them. And, you know, if somebody surprises us and says, hey, I want to come back, we'll take them back. And we'll gladly love to have them come back. But so I guess the question to that is it's a little bit uncertain right now. All right. Thank you, coach. We appreciate your time coming to join us here on Weber state weekly wish the Wildcats all the best of luck, uh, up at Idaho central arena, big sky tournament play in games on Wednesday, the official tournament, as I like to call it starts Thursday, uh, with the top seeds getting their buys to the, to the quarterfinals. And, and we looked at for three great games from you this coming week in Boise and hopefully come home with that, with that, uh, invite to the NCAAs. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. You're the best. Hey, Wildcat fans. This episode of Weber State Weekly is sponsored by Wildcat Rack. If you're looking for one-of-a-kind, officially licensed Weber State apparel, Wildcat Rack is the place. All the designs and apparel are made right here in Weber County by people who know and love the purple and white. Check out the latest designs by going to their website, wildcatrack.com, and be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram for new designs and sneak peeks as they become available. Now, back for more Weber State Weekly. Welcome back, Wildcats. Thanks again to Coach Randy Ray for his time with us um, and all the insights about the Big Sky Tournament coming up this week. You can watch it on Pluto TV or hear it on 1031 The Wave with the dulcet tones of Steve Klauke. In honor of Basketball Hoops Award season, uh, we thought we would let our panel hand out some of our own awards for the end of the men's basketball hoop season. So we're going to do these quick hits. We've got AC and Chappie with us. So here we go. I'm going to start with AC. Give us your defensive player of the year. Uh, Weber State men's basketball defensive player of the year. I flip-flopped about three quarters of the way through the season. I thought it was Dylan Jones, who I still think is elite defensively. I'm going with my man, Sigu. And the reason is when we played Northern Arizona, Cam Shelton, who was the conference leading scorer at the time, got clamped up by Sigu. Sigu just shut him down. And when you look back throughout the entire season, Sigu. Number 11 was guarding the other team's best player almost every single game, and we shut these people down. Sigu, my man, defensive player of the year. And Randy Ray just told us that he usually had the top defensive assignment in, in every game. So uh, congratulations to Sigu. Chappie, give me your best reserve of the season. Best reserve for me is hands down Michael Kozak. Uh, the guy you know, went from being a, a starter last year to accepting his role this year. He started some games. Uh, we've talked about extensively on this show where early in the season or middle of the season when other guys were struggling, he was always there to step up and, and, and take his part. And honestly, the games where he came in as a reserve, it, it almost always was, had a spark plug type effect. He almost always was hustling, getting a big rebound, hitting a big three-pointer, doing something that ignited the team, which is what, in my opinion, a good reserve does. And to me, that makes him the best reserve on the team. AC, we had nine new players come in uh, this year, most of them from the transfer portal. So give me your best newcomer uh, on the Weber State team this year. 
This is a tough one because a lot of the guys kind of were up and down throughout the season a little bit. Uh, we saw Cody Carlson, who was at the top end of things for a while, and then he started getting double teamed. We saw Zaire Porter went off for a few games where he was 20 points. But I'm going back to Sigu, the man made all big sky second team. And you know what? I just thought he was phenomenal all around defensively. He could handle the ball. He could shoot. He could score. And so, I mean, the man was all around. Obviously, the conference paid attention to him. I think that there's a pretty good chance he's going to be our starting point guard next year. And we're going to be seeing a lot more numbers, uh, a, a lot more really just fantastic offensive statistics from him. In addition to clamping down the other team's star player, Sigu, newcomer of the year. Interesting. I, most people probably would have taken IB in that spot, but way to, way to go for you uh, going off board with, with Sigu. IB All right. Don't worry. Yeah. Look at his yeah. He's, we got something for him later. All right, Chappie. Uh, this one's not your normal award. Best right hook. Yeah, the uh, best right hook goes to the only player that we saw throw a right hook this year, and uh, that was our guy Dylan Jones. That was uh, against uh, Boise State. Clock in the ref. Uh, everybody in the nation saw that for a few minutes on Twitter, and uh, for that, he 100% gets the award for the best right hook. AC, hit me up with your top nickname uh, of the year. My top nickname is Do It All DJ. I love it. it. I mean, it's just, it flows. It comes right off the tongue, right? It just, it's, it's awesome. I think it explains uh, how he plays basketball, what he does for this team. He literally does it all. Gets the rebounds, plays the defense. He's, he'll score points for you. Man's freshman of the year in the big sky. Do It All DJ, taking home best nickname of the year. It's going to turn into Double Double DJ next year. Ooh, changing right. up the nickname. I like this. I like I like where you're going with that. All right, Chappie. Uh, best hair on the team. Yeah, the best hair on the team, without a doubt, is Zayer Porter. Love, love the head of hair on that kid. All right. Uh, AC, we're gonna we're gonna go a little old school with this one. Uh, best rain man. Who is the best dunker in honor of our man Sean Kemp from the dearly departed Seattle Supersonics? Honor my my honorable mention is going to go to Zaire Porter because he had a game or two in there where he just he was throwing down on people he was collecting some bodies as we like to say Zaire Porter honorable mention but my man KJ Cunningham Corbin KJ Cunningham had a filthy alley oop this season we gift it even it's on Twitter we've gifted KJ my man taking home the Rain Man Award Sean Kemp style. All right, Chappie, you like you like to clean up and keep a clean house. So who's your Windex man? Who cleaned up the boards? It is uh, it's Dylan Jones once again. Uh, that kid was uh, early in the season, the team struggled with rebounds. We were getting out rebounded by uh, Division II teams. And as Dylan Jones' minutes started to increase throughout the year, so did our rebounding prowess. And, you know, he did it. Think about this, the amazing thing about him getting so many rebounds. He did it while we still had – two, if not three, very large men on our front court on the floor as well. So kid just hustled, out-hustled and, and got a lot of rebounds that way. All right. For our last two awards, I'm going to let both of you have an opportunity. Uh, so we're going to start with this one. Who are you most excited to see play in Wildcat Purple next season? I'm going to take the guy who I was probably the most excited to see this season. And that's number four, Tavian Percy. And unfortunately, he had that injury right in the beginning of the game. Uh, very first game of the season, but the man has hops. I mean, we saw those videos of him with 
like a 45 inch vertical. The man can jump out of the gym and next season, seeing that athleticism on this team. Oh man, I cannot wait. TP, my man. I'm super excited to see you next year. Chappy. This is a hard one for me because it's not so much one person and don't tell me it's a push because I know it's maybe a push, but it's probably not. No pushing. I don't know the answer because I don't know who's coming back. I am extremely hopeful that a few of our guys, whether it be Dante Bassett, whether it be Cody Carlson, maybe it's Michael Kozak. I am hopeful that some of our seniors will come back and we'll get another year in, in, in a Weber state uniform. And I'm really excited for that. And since we don't have pushes here, I'm going to say I'm excited that Dante Bassett hopefully comes back and we get to see him play in purple again. Fantastic. Thank you for not pushing. I was about to have to go to the judges and, and call that out. All right, I, I finally, for our, would be. finally, for our hoop superlatives, uh, give me your team MVP. Chappie, we'll let you start. Yeah, it's Isaiah Brown. He's He's been uh, phenomenal all year. Um, we had him on bef- right before the season started. Everybody on the team that we interviewed before the season told us that he was the leader. When he came on our show, we could see that he clearly was the leader. Uh, but the thing, and, and we mentioned this with Randy Ray, the thing I like most about him as a leader is, as Randy Ray put it, he's not a prick. <laughs> um, he does whatever it takes, whatever the team needs to win every night. Okay? Whether if he, needs to, if he needs to get a dozen assists, he'll do it. If he needs to score 30 points, he'll do it. If he needs to defend, he'll do it. If we need him to take the last shot of the game, he'll do it. Uh, his versatility uh, has, has, has absolutely made this team what it is this year and, and lent itself to the balance that we have all enjoyed watching so much. Well, with that language, this might be the first episode of Weber State Weekly that gets the explicit tag on the Apple iTunes uh, podcast network. All right, AC, give me your team MVP. That's all right, because DJ Dan's got a dumb button that he keeps handy over there. I know he does. My team MVP, hands down, Isaiah Brown. I mean, the man was unanimous first team, all big sky. I personally thought he should have been MVP of the big sky. I don't think there are enough adjectives. I don't think that I have a word bank large enough to explain what Isaiah Brown meant to this team this year. Um, He was fantastic in every sense of the word offensively, defensively, from a leadership standpoint, uh, intangibles. We saw some quotes that Brett Hine dropped today on his Twitter, uh, today being Monday. And, I mean, you can just see that he's got leadership oozing out of his ears. This kid is amazing. Um, I honestly think that the program had been trending down for, for a few years, and I think that with how things were looking and with Isaiah Brown, how he had played and what he means to this program, he might be the single most important wildcat in the last six, seven years. He just, he was incredible. And that's some heady competition because we have the wildcats all time leading scorer in that conversation. It is. It is. is. And Isaiah Brown, I think that he meant the world to this Weber state team, hands down MVP of this Weber state basketball team. So, So here's a couple other thoughts from me here. We've all watched a lot of games this year. I don't know that there is there is one game that I can think of that I was watching where I was like, Isaiah Brown is maybe not the best player on the court today, and that was against Boise State, and that was Derek Austin, who is going to the NBA. Every other game that we watched this year, now obviously we didn't play Eastern Washington, who has the conference MVP, and maybe that's the difference, but 
every game that I watched this year outside of possibly that Boise State game, it felt like Isaiah Brown was the best player on the court every night. How disappointing is it to us? And this is just how we're going to wrap this this segment. How disappointing is we didn't get that Eastern Washington series where those two guys could have played it out. Two, two, only two unanimous All Big Sky first team selections. They didn't get to play it out in the court. Hopefully, we get to see that on Friday in the Big We're going to get to see it this week. That's the fun part. And Fingers, Chappy. I swear, if you just jinxed it. Oh crap! But it's actually going to matter, right? So that's 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 my hope. So we get to see it this week. All right. Well, thank you so much, panel, for your accolades. Congratulations to our award winners. Um, and it, what a great hoop season! I think uh, many Wildcat fans. I, a lot of them are going to say we finished third. We technically finished second in the standings, tied for second with Eastern Washington. Um, I think that's where Wildcat fans expect us to be, uh, top two in the conference every year, and and uh, glad to see that return and and uh, the success that the team has undefeated at home in the Purple Palace this year. Hey, Wildcat fans, if you're a small business owner looking to promote your business on Weber State Weekly, we've got some good news. We're looking for sponsors that care as much about what's going on up on campus as we do. We can plug your business on our show, in our new email newsletter, or even in our live instant reaction shows on social media. For more info, send us an email at weberstateweekly at gmail.com for pricing and more information. All right, Wildcat fans, are you ready for some football? Really? Are you ready for some football? This week, Wildcats open the home portion of their schedule with UC Davis at Stewart Stadium. Aggies coming in ranked number 23 in the country with a dominating 27-17 victory over the Idaho Vandals. While your number two ranked Wildcats coming in off a of bye, their game last week was postponed or canceled till later in the season. So we haven't played since two weeks ago when we beat Idaho State 49-21. So my first question to, to the fellas, what improvements do you want to see from the Wildcats from two weeks ago against Idaho State to this week against a ranked UC Davis squad? I want to see a more complete game from the defense. Here's why I say that, though. It's because the defense, I, I thought that they were pretty good in our grades that we, we put out on our blog. I gave the defense an A-. minus. They had a combined total of sacks and turnovers of nine. Nine sacks and or turnovers, which is pretty dang good. Jay Hill only wants six in order to give us a chance to win. But UC Davis, they just went up against who many consider to be one of the best front sevens in all of FCS football in Idaho. And guess what? They ran him over in the fourth quarter. They had Hunter Rodriguez, the quarterback, looked really good. He's new at quarterback. Alonzo Gilliam ran for over 100 yards against Idaho. And so I think that our defense, specifically our front, the goon squad, we need these guys to step up. We need these guys to have a complete game against Idaho State. We gave up over 300 passing yards. I think Vanderwall, I think he only had like a 40% completion percentage. But, I mean, he still threw over for, for – he still threw for over 300 yards. And so we really need our defense to step up because I'll tell you what, UC Davis is coming in and they're confident after what they just did against another really good defense up in Moscow. I'm looking forward to, well, number one, every, every college coach in the world <laughs> says that you see the most improvement between week one and week two, right? Or game one and game two. And I think we're going to see that in this case. But if I'm looking at some specific areas, I'm excited to see what Bronson Barron does with another week, another two weeks of preparation at quarterback. But I'm also excited for the weapons around him. I mean, as good as our wide receivers were last game, you know, we had one wide receiver that was listed on the two deep that didn't play at all. And I don't know that we necessarily still know what happened there, but he didn't play and, and hopefully he plays this week. But, but then we also have a transfer, Randall Grimes, who's waiting on a waiver and that could come any day. So, uh, as good as 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 our 
as our team was, the offense was, I'm excited to see some of the skill positions, specifically wide receiver, because there are more weapons there. And then also at running back. And running back is interesting because, you know, coming into the season, we, we, we thought we had a three-headed monster there at running back. Looks like uh, two of those heads might be gone. Who knows? And Dante McMillan, the, the freshman, is, is playing a lot now with Josh Davis. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more there, too. And, I, I yeah, that's where I'd like to see some improvement. Chappie, I want to follow up with you on that. Uh, you mentioned the biggest difference and the biggest change of the team coming from week one to week two. UC Davis, they've they've had their two games, right? Uh, they've, 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 they've only played one, but they're coming in right off uh, uh, on a regular week. Weaver State had a weird bye week that they were not expecting. We've had two weeks to prepare. Does the bye week help Weber, or does playing consecutively help UC Davis? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, but I think that I don't think the bye week hurts us necessarily. I, I think it just gives them more prep time. They got the. I mean, they were so amped up to play last Saturday. It was pretty obvious that that was the case. Um, I think that them, you know, getting that out of their system and then going back to playing each other for a little bit. I mean, these guys have been hitting each other for probably six months straight now. <laughs> so, and, and I think that led to a little bit of the slow start in Pocatello. Um, but I'm going to agree with AC. I gave the defense a B in our grades um, because they did have that first half shutout, but then they gave up some garbage time touchdowns. Now, part of that's getting other guys in, getting them an experience, but but you can't let up against a ranked team. So, what what matchups are you looking forward to this week against UC Davis? I'm looking forward to our, our defense against the quarterback play. Uh, their quarterback Rodriguez he 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 carved up Idaho like the last two or three drives of the game and most of the second half, but very much is specifically in the fourth quarter. Uh, so I, I am curious to see if that goon squad can get some pressure on him. I am very much looking forward to, to that matchup. I want to see what our offense can do. I want to, I also want to see who's suiting up on the offense, right? So Chappie's talking about our wide receivers, Devin Cooley, who's our leading wide receiver for last season, 2019. He's, he was out this last week. So I want to see if he's going to be able to suit up. And if he is, how are we going to use him? Because guess what? We had a wide receiver group that had a pretty dang good day up in Pocatello. And if you add Devin Cooley to that group, all of a sudden, it's just another weapon to the arsenal, right? Or Randall Grimes. If you go back and you look at my write-up on Randall Grimes when it was announced that he'd committed to Weber State, he was saying originally he was expecting the NCAA to grant a waiver for week two of the spring season, which was this last Saturday. And so we haven't heard anything as far as I know. We haven't heard whether or not that waiver has been granted. If it has been and he's able to suit up against Davis, then the matchup that I'm going to be looking forward to is going to be seeing these wideouts against the Davis secondary. And I want to see what Bronson Barron can do against a defense that's probably a little bit more talented than what we saw from the Bengals. All right. And finally, fellas, as we, we look forward to the top 25 matchup this season, what do the Wildcats need to do? We've got two groups you're trying to impress. You're trying to impress the poll voters. JMU, number one in the country, is is their game this week was canceled. Weber State's got a number two. That's an opportunity to maybe impress some voters in the national scene. What do we need to do this week to impress the voters and the playoff selection committee against a ranked team at Stewart Stadium this weekend? Weber State needs to win and control. I don't think that they need to have a blowout win. I don't think that they need to go out and win by three, four touchdowns. If they do, all the better. 
But guess what? JMU has not looked impressive their last two games. And somehow they've got a stranglehold on the number one spot in the rankings. And so I think that these people are showing, these voters are showing that they're okay with the big name brands as long as they win. JMU was down 11 points in the fourth quarter and came back and won by three, I think, against a team who you would think they would just run off the field. But JMU's having a lot of problems right now. They just switched up their quarterback. Gage Maloney's going to be getting his first start when they come back. And so I think that these pollsters respect Weber State enough to know that if Weber State wins and controls, and by that, I'm, I'm saying Weber State needs to win by like 10-ish points, right in that range, and controlled, maybe a wire-to-wire victory. If they do that, I think it'll impress the voters enough knowing that they did it against a top 25 team and knowing that they didn't struggle like we've seen from JMU, from North Dakota State. I think that it will impress these people enough to get Weber State so they're higher in the rankings, potentially number one that following Monday. Win and control the game. I think it's a really good opportunity with JMU not having a game this week uh, to potentially jump them and maybe get our first number one ranking in school history. And how how cool would that be? <laughs> that would be just absolutely. This phenomenal. fan would be excited. Everybody in everybody in Utah, every every Wildcat everywhere should be excited about that. Uh, but I'm with AC. You know, JMU hasn't looked great, but the teams that have looked good. You know, I'm doing a little bit of scoreboard watching, but. You know, North Dakota, who, who again, Weber State beat last year and was in the conference last year. They're in their first season in the Valley. And, you know, they're, man, they are killing it. <laughs> but if you look at their schedule, they do have a ranked game this weekend. But in two weeks, they're playing at North Dakota State. Okay, so uh, we need them to stop winning <laughs> and maybe look ahead to North Dakota State and look over Western Illinois. Uh, but regardless... As long as Weber State plays really well, I, I, I think we're we're in a good spot. Uh, we just we got to keep it going. We got to keep it going, looking good. But here's the funny thing about this season. Normally, at this point in the season, one or two games in, that we're playing teams that were either we're playing F- FBS teams or we're playing non-league games, and teams are still figuring out who they are. The tough thing about all of this is we're figuring out who we are while we're all being ranked and playing conference games. Right. So, I mean, in reality, we don't even necessarily know how good Davis is. They looked good against Idaho last week. And and frankly, Idaho looks good. Right. But we don't know that for sure. (laughs) You don't really know yet at this season who is actually good and who is pretend good. Well, and that, uh, as you mentioned, that North Dakota, North Dakota State matchup in a couple of weeks kind of feels like a playoff elimination team for our game for the loser of that of that game the, the loser of that game is going to have a hard time uh if, finishing if it's, if it's north dakota state i mean i don't yeah i have a hard time seeing a world where they don't get in the playoffs but you know them with two losses mm. north dakota is still looking good if north dakota loses that game i think they're still at least in contention right for but sure. north dakota state if north dakota state loses that game the bison are in big trouble but it's chaos. a smaller playoff field and yeah. so it's a lot more difficult you're not going to have as many teams from the big three conferences Potentially, but yeah, for, for chaos purposes, we want North Dakota state to win that game and, or we want North Dakota to be looking ahead to West to, to North Dakota state next weekend and overlook Western Illinois and, and, uh, and get plunked this weekend. All right. Well, cats, thanks for joining us this week for Weber state weekly. We're glad to have you with us every week as we try to bring you the best Weber state content around. 
Some upcoming events this week. We've got women's golf spending the weekend at the Pizza Hut Lady Thunderbird Invitational hosted by Southern Utah. Women's soccer this weekend at NAU on Friday. Softball traveling down to Southern Utah to play in the DSU tournament with games against Dixie State and the U of U this weekend. Volleyball traveling to Pocatello for a weekend series against the Bengals. Men's basketball with the big event this weekend, the Big Sky Championships. Tip off Thursday night at 8 o'clock. As long as you win, you win, you're in. Potential games on Friday and Saturday, uh, as long as the Wildcats keep winning in Boise. And then finally, football. 1 o'clock kickoff against UC Davis. Ranked game on KJAS, Pluto, or 103-1 the wave. Again, we, lo- we love to have you. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on email, WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com, Facebook at Weber State Weekly, Twitter at Weber State Weekly, Instagram. Get those pictures in. Um, of course, our home on the Internet is our blog at WeberStateWeekly.com. And if you like what you see here, join our Patreon, patreon.com, Weber State Weekly, and uh, get the exclusive content, including our game day thread action on Slack. You get to chat with all of us on game days, and Saturday's a big game day with potentially UC Davis ranked team at Stewart Stadium definitely happening and a potential game in the Big Sky Championship uh, in Boise for the men's basketball. You don't want to miss the the action and the commentary on the Slack channel because what happens in our Slack channel stays in the Slack channel. And, and you don't want to miss out. Don't, don't go FOMO on us. Anyway, we'll end the show as we always do. Fellas, Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. Weber State Weekly is a Deep State Media production. It's produced by Colby Peterson. It's directed and edited by Dan Martinez.